0: Good morning, everyone. Just before we start, a quick a quick request. At last year's uh, summer school, David Darling gave one of the theme talks, and if you listen to the recording online, you can hear cows mooing, as if in agreement.
1: <laughs>
0: he's very wise. He's very godly, and. He he speaks the truth, and I think the cows knew that. If you would like to
1: moo...
0: (laughs) But maybe turn off your mobile phones. (laughs) And now let us light our chalice as a symbol of our free faith. To take us into a time of shared stillness, some words from the Chinese scripture, the Tao. Before the universe was born, there was something perfect. It has no shape, it is serene and solitary, it is infinite and unchanging it flows through all things it is always with us we might call it the mother of existence or simply the way for a few moments let us be still together May you listen to your longing to be free. May you listen to your longing to be free. May you arise each day with a voice of blessing whispering in your heart that something good is going to happen to you. May you find harmony between your soul and your life. May the mansion of your soul never become a haunted place may you know that eternal longing is at the heart of time may there be kindness when you look within may you never place walls between the light and yourself may your angel free you from prisons of guilt and fear may you allow the wild beauty of the invisible world to gather you, mind you, and embrace you in belonging. Amen. That blessing by the Celtic mystic John O'Donohue. My memory is that at last year's summer school, one of the, I think it was Yvonne's, one of this this slot involved a lot of birds. Is that right? Like a lot of birds. And at our service on Sunday, Linda shared with us the story, the very moving story, of a parrot and an eagle. I was very touched by this story. I want to share with you um, a story about some birds as well. This is, the story, this is the story of a very leggy bird. Leggy and ostentatious and rich. Ostentatious means showing off, for example, by using words like ostentatious. <laughs> so anyway... There, was this ostentatious and rich bird. He had lots of stuff. Now there are special effects in this production, but, but one of them is your imagination, so you have to imagine all of his stuff. He had iPods and Uface and MyPads and lots of things. Lots of things with buttons and switches around him was the latest, cleverest, shiniest thing. He was extremely proud of all his stuff and he didn't much care about anything or anybody else. (laughs) Ostrich spent all his time buying things and playing his games. (laughs) to all the people he thought were unimportant and small. She wasn't like this in rehearsal. Honestly, we've gone from a kind of contained Meryl Streep to to Jim Carrey. so he didn't care for other people he thought everybody was small and unimportant but just every now and then just for a short minute when he was in between shops or games there was something missing in his life he didn't quite know <laughs> he didn't quite know what it was but he didn't like the sad feeling that came over him sometimes but then he very quickly then he very quickly made himself feel better by buying another thing (laughs) I need somebody to hold up my special effect or maybe both of you one each side (laughs) <laughs> no expense spared. Now, in many of the sacred writings from around the world, no expense spared. the sacred writings from around the world, there are mysterious messengers from heaven. There is a bright light. There are angelic voices. There may be lots of clouds, some steam perhaps, and an awe-inspiring impression of great wings and feathers. Wings and feathers. And so one day, Ostrich was walking about, showing off, (laughs) practicing never work with <laughs> showing off <laughs> and practicing being rich and those moments in the scriptures of wings and feathers they came into ostrich's life just such a moment truth The penguin the penguin took one look at ostrich and said I am the
2: penguin
0: of truth because it was the penguin <laughs>
2: exchange all your toys and trips and trappings for the most precious jewel in the universe. There is only one of these in the whole universe.
1: So what do you say, ostrich?
0: The ostrich didn't even think about it. It was a (laughs) (laughs) no-brainer. Oh, come on the most precious jewel in the whole world. So he would be happy and he would sell the jewel and and buy loads more stuff and go around showing off because he would be the richest and the happiest person in the world. So the ostrich said,
2: Oh, okay, then you're on.
0: And this is where you have to use your imagination. All of his jewellery and his technology and his accessories disappeared. They, they were just gone, as was the Penguin and the special effects team. Thank you. Thank you so much The penguin was gone, they were just gone, and Ostrich said,
2: Where's my jewel?
0: The penguin had gone, but he had left behind a scrap of paper. I need somebody to hold a scrap of paper. I want to hold up the scrap of paper? So. <laughs> it was a scrap of paper. It wasn't an actual jewel. Whoops. <coughs> and he threw a tantrum and he said
2: where's my jewel where's my jewel where's my jewel
0: oh god I've seen what's coming up next (laughs) and he threw himself on the floor (laughs) and generally made a spectacle of himself particularly pleased to receive a scrap of paper instead of an actual jewel a scrap of paper that just said ruby <laughs> just then one of the small people was walking past one of the small people was walking by and said Rather quietly, but loud enough to be heard by the <laughs> by the, by the whole room.
1: You, you just don't get it, do you? It's <laughs> precious, <laughs> come in Spanish for something. <laughs> it's
2: worth any money. It's much
1: more valuable than
2: that. <laughs>
0: so the ruby has no monetary value. It's much more precious than that. And Ostrich said...
2: Oh, and I suppose you know what that means, then, you very, very small person. <laughs> By the way, could you be any smaller?
0: <laughs> and the small person said... <laughs> Be yourself. And at least for a very short minute, the leggy, ostentatious and rich bird understood. He understood that he had been trying very hard to be something other than himself. He saw that he had not respected other people because he had not understood or respected himself. He had never let himself just be himself. He had never let himself just be himself without stuff and noise and shiny things. And at least for a short minute, the so-called small people actually liked him. (laughs) And just for a short moment, he wasn't lonely and he wasn't sad. And I think we should have a hand for the great Puklo players.
1: <laughs> We've been over here.
0: But particular thanks to my leggy bird. <laughs> And I think we're saying thank you and goodbye to the children now. Enjoy your time this morning. So, let us now sing together hymn number 101, Dear Lord and Father. Um, If you can't find a hymn book near enough, you may need to share with somebody. There's a spare one over here, by the way. Sorry, Sheila.
2: (laughs) Right, okay. Then take a deep breath.
0: honest I don't know if I can be bothered with this really. I feel quite quite spent. I feel like I need some quiet time in the green room. I like walking and I like talking as you're about to find out so I am honoured to be invited to talk this morning in this lovely setting. Last year was my first summer school, and it was a good and beautiful time for me. I lived in Sheffield about 15 years ago, and I used to walk in this area a lot. I'd somehow forgotten how much I love this landscape. If I may say so, last year's summer school was for me a peak experience.
1: LAUGHTER
0: Sorry. (laughs) I have been asked to think about what it would be like if we did indeed walk the talk. What things would be like if we honoured our Unitarian ethos absolutely. I would like to begin at the beginning, or rather at my beginning which for me is God. My experience of God is an experience of wholeness and my experience of Unitarianism is of a call to wholeness. My vision of Unitarianism is of a conversation and a communion, a dynamic and a stillness which make that wholeness possible. I want to talk about how we might apply our collective emotional and spiritual intelligence to our denominational whole, to our organisational future. And I say all this with humility because these are the issues I struggle with. But before I get tucked into that, I want to say a little bit about wholeness. Or rather, I want to begin by talking a little bit about brokenness. Brokenness, certainly in my services, has become a bit of a religious cliché. But that is, of course, because it is true human beings often feel broken, often feel broken within and without. Broken or breaking with pain inside, on the outside cut off from other people and in my terms severed from their God severed from their sense of wider spiritual worth. I think it matters that as people of spirit and faith we sometimes say this, that in most human lives there are times of anguish and despair, times of isolation and fracture. There is another type of time which is perhaps bleak, rather than desperate, but in its own way, just as broken. And I mean that numbing and dreary time, that disappointing type of time, when we can feel our souls slowly wasting for lack of meaning and communion. I think these agonies, these aches, are what bring people to church, They are not the only things. It is not just these things that brings people into our chapels and into our meeting houses. But my guess is that for a lot of us, the reason we stick around in Unitarianism is to find some balm, some answer, some bond that begins to heal those hurts. We want to be whole and connected, Connected to something luminous and true within and beyond ourselves. And when I talk about being whole, I really don't just mean kind of feeling okay. It feels important to me in our culture of excess and dissatisfaction that we remind the world that sometimes the most sublime wholeness is a kind of emptiness that we perhaps feel most fulfilled when we are emptied of our selfish self and connected and, dare I say, directed and, dare I say, graced even by that gentle cosmic by that gentle cosmic integrating light Now I know I'm saying a lot about Wholeness, but I want wholeness and love to be at the centre of how I put my Unitarianism into practice. Jesus says, Love your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Now, I know that many of us have been hurt, badly hurt, by the institutions built in his name, me included. But for myself, I don't want to allow that damage to deny me this prophecy of love. I most often fail to put these words into practice, but it is to these words that I find myself most often returning. My guess is that given the world in which Jesus lived, the word love here has a particularly Semitic accent or undertone of honour and esteem. Love and honour what is sacred to you with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How holistic is that? Your reasoning mind and your spirit, your deeds do not have to be opposite and separate. Your mind and your feelings do not have to be opposed and distinct. They can be unified, congruent with the love and respect you feel for your highest truth. And then Jesus says, apply that to yourself and to other people. I was going to say because they are interconnected, but actually the mystics and the poets teach us that at the deepest level of being and truth, they are one, they are the same. 19th century Unitarians understood this love, the love that Jesus teaches, they understood it not as sentimental or romantic, but as at the same time, all at the same time, mystical and moral and social. It is love as mindfulness and praise and sacrifice and justice perhaps what Martin Luther King calls the power of God unto social and individual salvation. This is my vision of Unitarianism, a mission of wholeness with love and respect at its centre. In this landscape which inspired those walks of solidarity and freedom known as the Mass Trespasses. I'm trying to think which direction Kinder Scout is is in, but it's it's that way. (laughs) Thank you. Over there, there (laughs) there were these incredible walks, and in the landscape that inspired those walks, my vision of Unitarianism is of an intimate and democratic walk towards wholeness towards unity within and without. I want to say this is my vision and it is also my experience. It is my experience. This is what we do. I have seen it in our churches and in our chapels, in our small groups, in our music making and in our silences I have seen us do this over and over again. We provide people and here comes a long list we provide people with some combination of compassion and respect and ideas and freedom (coughs) it is a long list (laughs) (coughs) ideas and freedom and challenge and community or simply with the holy, loving space they need to discover their spiritual reality. As Linda said in her sermon on Sunday, lives change. Excuse me. We, we do this We do it. And it sometimes feels to me that we cannot know this enough about ourselves, that we do this elegant and sacred thing. And this achievement is also our challenge, to do it better and to do it more often, and to make it the measure of what we do. So here is some more of my vision. If we walked our talk, I think we would have our feelings about being a very small denomination. We would own our fear and our sadness. I sometimes wonder where it is in Unitarianism that we lament. There's a Denise Levitov poem where she said, that talks about not treating grief like a homeless dog. In many ways this denomination is in decline and that makes me sad and it makes me afraid. And having had those feelings leads me to ask some questions of myself, of ourselves. Do we have something invested in this being a small movement? Do we believe that at some level being small makes us refined or special or perhaps in some ways pleasantly quaint do we believe that caring about the future of our denomination is somehow grubby and in some rarefied way the opposite of being spiritual i have heard unitarians i respect say that our denomination is a sophisticated choice for liberal intellectuals and that we should just concentrate on our inner lives I once saw this cartoon imagine three giant pigeons sat in a field three huge pigeons sitting in a field surrounded by men with rifles One of the pigeons has this really nervous look on its face And it's saying There are only three of us left And another is looking rather self-righteous And it's saying I thought we said we wouldn't play the numbers game (laughs) (laughs) They are, of course, dodos By the way, I'm speaking off my script here There are about as many Unitarians in the UK as there are tigers in the wild. Tigers are um, a critically endangered species. I don't know how many Unitarians there are in captivity. (laughs) I can think of some who maybe should be... Thank you. Yes, <coughs> I appreciate. <No>. I can hear it in the last word. No.
1: If yes, do you
0: agree? Yes, yes. You'd be one of them.
1: <laughs>
0: if we had our, if we had our feelings about being small. We might see our smallness in a new light. We might see that we have inherited this fantastic organisational apparatus, the fantastic organisational apparatus of of the much bigger denomination we used to be. And it guides us and it comforts us. It is an elegant thing. And sometimes it deceives us sometimes it gives us a false sense of security i would like us to know and feel how small we are we might then see the opportunities that being small brings that it might make that it might make us nimble agile able to adapt able to grow mindfully we might see ourselves as densely packed with potential like... You probably can't see it, but like like a tiny seed. Packed with potential like a tiny seed or a chrysalis. Or tender like a tiny baby with a great big future. If we walked the talk, our annual meetings would be creative energising and thoughtful. They would genuinely bring people together in the presence of the sacred and this would be their priority. There is a conversation that you hear around in Unitarianism quite a lot. It goes something like this. Someone says, I wish our annual meetings could be more spiritual. And someone else says oh, but there's lots of business to be done and there are decisions to be made. And then someone else says, and of course, all the societies have to have their business meetings. This conversation suggests to me just how easily our business can float away from our spiritual centre, just how disunitarian our various functionings and groupings can become. Surely our very purpose at our annual assembly is to bring Unitarians together and make our decisions congruently and religiously. Really important to say here that I am categorically not having a go at the people who work on our annual conference each year They do a great job of doing what the movement asks them to do. I'm saying we should change what we ask them to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it gets worse. (laughs) There are loads of new ways of doing conferences out there, in the Green Movement, in the independent sector, and in the private sector. Ways of building safe and respectful and engaging environments. Ways of bringing people together so they can really listen to themselves and to each other. So they can play and explore and experiment as opposed to announce their opinions and argue their corner. There are ways of integrating live live engagement and online engagement there are ways of curating content there are ways of running events so that the energy and the morale of the people at them is sustainable none of this makes differences disappear but they might make differences more productive more respectfully voiced and perhaps less territorial. Very, very few human beings are at their best in airless and overheated lecture halls. My experience is that when you pay attention to the whole person, when you honour their feelings, when you care for their physical well-being, the business of making decisions is more efficient and actually enjoyable. We sang a hymn on Sunday that says, With this bond of human love, disputes can mean a richer life. I believe that's possible, but the emphasis is on with this bond of human love. The annual meeting is made out of people and it is made out of relationships. And don't we believe that both people and relationships are sacred? If we walked our talk, we would be more assertive in our purpose as a liberal, progressive church. If you're of a nervous disposition... You might want to cover your ears for the next part. You might want to leave altogether because I am about to say singularly the most scandalous thing a Unitarian, it verges on the obscene. I mean really, prepare yourself. The singularly most scandalous thing a Unitarian can say to other Unitarians. Deep breaths. We are right.
1: <laughs>
0: we are right. The project of many of our innovative and passionate pioneers was not only to set up a denomination, and in fact some of them expressly worked against a denomination of monotheists, worked against an institution of Unitarians. For many of them their goal was to reform the rest of religion. You know you wake up in the morning and that, that is your goal. They wanted to reform at least the rest of Christianity. That is how grand their thinking was and you might think that in many ways it's outrageously lacking in humility and cannot possibly fit into a modern, liberal, relativist scheme. But let's just notice, we are here because of them. And just sometimes, we might honour their powerful sense of conviction. They never settled for the status quo. Excuse me. There is a danger that liberal religion can become sort of infinitely pliable, insipid, airy, a kind of invertebrate. We can sometimes look back and see our lovely churches and convince ourselves that we're looking at more or less standard cups of Protestant tea. But let's also see the stubborn, non-conformist biscuits that went with it. Gillian used a great phrase in her theme talk yesterday. She talked about the depth and substance of history, and those non-conformist biscuits are the depth and substance of our history. So I want to argue for a more assertive theology of unity rooted in a vision of human dignity, a vision of human integrity in the light of the sacred, a theology brave enough to take a stand, a stand against all kinds... (coughs) Excuse me. A stand against all kinds of religious intolerance. I mean intolerance between religions Intolerance within religions and intolerance of religion. I want to say, for example, that misogyny and homophobia are religious mistakes. Of course, they hurt people. They are political mistakes and civil wrongs. But from a religious point of view, let us be brave enough to say that they demean humankind and belittle the human soul. Whatever your faith or tradition or cultural place, to imagine that when you look into that sparkling and mysterious pool some of us call God, that you see all your prejudices, all your smallnesses very exactly reflected back at you that is a trick of the ego. I want to be clear about this. I'm saying that to use God to look at your neighbour and prevent her from becoming a bishop, although we might ask why are bishops anyway, but, to, <laughs> but to, to look at her and to use God to justify your view on her becoming a bishop, or to look at your neighbour and denounce his choice of partner, or to look at your neighbour and to imagine that God justifies you in your attempt to stone her to death. These attitudes are not just cruel to the people they they are directed towards, but they distort and diminish the people who hold them. Let us address both with courage and compassion and respect my final theme is perhaps surprisingly science which is it shows I've got a bit of nerve because Ned Ned tried really hard to explain the difference between mass and volume to me at the start (laughs) of the week I still don't. I mean, kind of, but... Maybe I'll get there one day. If we walked our talk, we would engage in new ways with science. Unitarianism was born at the same time as science, when science was young, and when science was the opposite of superstition and fear, when it needed defending. All joking aside, I love science. It has been one of the passions of my life. I am a nerd for Neanderthals. I am with the American novelist Marilyn Robinson who says that she reads about cosmology and quantum physics because sometimes theology just isn't big or tiny enough for her. So this is not an attack on the whole of science. But my feeling is that at the moment, science really needs a critical friend. Someone needs to say that science is not the same as reason, or certainly that the practice and application of science are not the same as reason. And we are uniquely placed to do so. We have form on this. We never locked up Galileo. We, never did, we didn't denounce Darwin. And if somebody comes at you waving a copy of something by Richard Dawkins, mm-hmm. tell them, we invented oxygen. And then- <laughs> should try breathing without it (laughs) I mean I know he didn't invent it and I know it, I'm talking about Joseph Priestley and I know he didn't invent it and, and I know it may have been discovered in other parts of the world at the same time but let's just hear it for one of the world's most radical scientist theologians genetics, robotics Nanotechnology, computing, and advances in medicine are combining. And the future is going to be very strange. Not the distant future, but the back end of next week. Some of this is, some of this is happening already. There will be machines rather like people. There will be people rather like machines and entities which do not even yet have a name. And some of this will be great, like all advances in science and technology, some of it will be wonderful. There will be cures, there will be restored vision, and all kinds of enhancements. And because there always is, with a technological industrial revolution, there will be new crimes and new abuses. New types of exploitation. There will be damage. There will be damage. When Bill Clinton was asked why he had had sex with Monica Lewinsky, why did you do it? His answer was because I could. And that's, that may not have been entirely um, <laughs> disingenuous on his part, but that, that was his answer. He said, because I could. And that's where we are with science at the moment. Unitarianism has inherited from the Enlightenment a romance of science, that it is platonic, noble, and dispassionate. Platonic, noble and dispassionate but that was before acid rain, thalidomide Bhopal nuclear weapons and aerial drones Isaac Newton never imagined that the sky itself might be weaponized. I believe and I, my guess is that all kinds of different Unitarians believe this too whatever your theological Position. I believe that the earth is holy and splendid, and that the human beings and the habitats and the species she nurtures are interdependent, not meaningless, unconnected units to be used and discarded. So, to come to a close, we are living in a time when so much religion exalts individual salvation over social healing. When so much of our culture exalts individual acquisition over shared resources. When so much of our political economy exalts individual entitlement over common concerns. Human beings are turning into fragments, detached and closed down. In such a world I believe that our spacious and healing denomination is necessary. My vision is of an open and creative church, alive to the present and with sturdy faith in its future. A church which puts, puts into organizational practice the brave and unifying light which I know shines in its soul. I would like to end with a short reading from Thomas Merton. He says, The deepest. I'm aware that I've talked an awful lot, so this reading feels appropriate. He says, the deepest level of communication is not communication, but communion. It is beyond words and beyond concept. Not that we discover a new unity. We discover an older unity. My dear, we are already one. But we imagine that we are not. And what we have to recover is our original unity. What we have to be is ourselves. Thank you.